0: Interviews with Joe Matar, a marketing VP at Brazen, which is a top virtual events platform, including career fairs. Me and him initially met back in February of 2018 because I was helping work a recruiting daily event at Brazen's HQ in Virginia. We bonded over some funny leadership stuff and sports. He's a big Wisconsin guy, i.e., Bucks, Brewers, Packers. I have an odd fascination with the books, so that got us going, and then we saw each other at a couple trade shows along the way before COVID. This is a discussion about sports, leadership, working at Amazon, living in the Midwest versus living on a coast, making friends after you move for work, the quote-unquote platinum rule, and more. I hope you enjoy it. Let's roll. Um I said tell me about this February stuff. You went to like multiple sporting events and then were sick as a dog
1: or whatever. Yeah, dude, I'm I'm serious. I, I mean I'll I guess I'll never know unless the antibodies stick with me and I can go. Right, around. right, right. I went to like Giannis and the Bucks were in town uh-huh. uh, on like a Monday. Yeah. So, Went to that. We were, we were on the court. Like, my buddy works for Capital One.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And he just started there. But, you know, Capital One is the uh, sponsor of the Wizards Arena. Yeah. So, like, we were on, like, we weren't, like, court side, But, like, they have, like, this behind the hoop. They've got, like, this little, like, lounge area. So, like, we were down there. I mean, of course, drinking and, you know, hanging in close proximity with thousands of people Fun night. Next night went to the Caps game. The night after that, again, you know, thousands, tens of thousands of people. The next night, the U.S. men's like under 21 basketball team was in, uh-huh. in um, Puerto Rico, so mm-hmm. I decided to go to that. And then the next night, I went to like another Caps game. So it was like four nights in a row, being around probably a hundred thousand people when it was all said and done. And literally the next day, I was down for the count for over a week. Um, <laughs> I was sleeping twenty hours a day. Uh, yeah. And, and I had cough for a month after that.
0: There's like, there's, it's almost guaranteed that you had it, man. I mean, yeah. I guess we never fully know. Um, but uh, but yeah, I would say there's like a very strong possibility that you had it. I'm like. I'm always stunned because I went to a wedding in Pittsburgh that last weekend of February and there was legit probably like 265 people at that wedding. Right. And like, you know, probably like a bunch of people over 65 and shit. And I haven't heard anything from it in terms of like aftermath of people. I didn't know, but like, I didn't, feel sick after it and like in hindsight i'm like damn that was (laughs) that's probably like a a stroke of luck on my behalf you know because i'm not really sure like what my i don't i don't wouldn't classify my immune system as like particularly strong or whatever Um, so uh yeah what uh, what uh well before we get into some other stuff what um What's your take on this NBA? First, I guess like the bubble conceptually, and then do you think that the Bucks um, can pull it off? What was I mean? Do I I mean
1: you know you know me? I'm I'm biased, right? I'm uh I'm actually in Wisconsin right now. Oh really? I I packed up my my car on Saturday and and uh, drove 13 hours back to wisconsin from from dc just to get out of the city man yeah uh, love my wife and she loves me and uh, <laughs> we were, you know uh certainly having some good times together in, in a you know 700 square foot apartment in dc over the last four months with each other 24 7 but we kind of like agreed like maybe we just need like a week or two of uh just
0: yeah.
1: of space so yeah yeah, yeah. So she's in D.C., I'm, I'm here in Wisconsin, uh, you know, as you know, born and raised in, in Wisconsin, huge Bucks fan. Do I think that they have a have a chance? Yeah, I mean, without a doubt, you know, these these shortened seasons, I think, give a lot of teams a decent chance. Right. Uh, you know that that maybe didn't uh, didn't before him. Mean, it's the same thing with baseball. I mean, I think yeah. the you know, Brewers have a great chance this year. I mean, I, I don't think that they have like uh, the best team by far in the, in the league. Maybe not even in the um, you know the the Central. But you know, I think that uh, their uh, a 60 game season gives gives lots of teams a chance. So
0: yeah, there's like there's gonna be so much weird statistical crap coming out of this baseball season just like I even googled a couple weeks ago like what's the best 60 game stretch in baseball history and I think it's like 42 and 18 I might be wrong on that but it's like I mean theoretically like any team I mean there are very bad teams but like theoretically any team could come out and go 42 and 18 like it's just a mix of like a bunch of random stuff and honestly like luck you know um and then i've heard like four or five managers say that they might use their bullpen less and go like two starters in a like two starters in crucial games, like one through five, six through nine or whatever, which is like I don't I kinda like I kinda like fell off with baseball for a few years, but I actually feel like this season is gonna be interesting like from a strategical anomaly standpoint. So I'll probably like watch it more than I would normally, you know?
1: Yeah. And and you know the you know the Brock the uh excuse me, the Brewers will be at the top of the list of like you know Craig Counsell, the manager with the yeah. Drew, he's done some pretty uh, innovative or creative pitching lineups in the past yeah. four seasons that you know a lot of people would look at as unorthodox. So I'm excited to see what he he concocts this season, knowing that it's a shortened season and he probably is going to be willing to to take even more risks to try to see what works and what doesn't. Yeah, he's a
0: good manager too. I always forget that he got into it pretty quickly. But, like, he does some cool stuff that, like, a lot of managers don't go out on those limbs. I agree with you on that. Um, On the NBA, NBA, I kind of feel like uh, it felt like the whole thing was designed. Like, obviously, we want uh, basketball to come back for, like, quote-unquote sense of normalcy or whatever. I don't know if I would put it in Florida, per se, that feels weird, although they they seem to be doing a good job so far. But it just felt like even when they were trying to figure it out, it was like very LeBron heavy um, in terms of just like context, which makes sense because he's still like the face of it, even though I think he's probably been surpassed as the best Mm -hmm. player. But I just worry that it's like the whole thing is a push to like find a way to get him another ring and get a ring for Los Angeles. Right. But I honestly think like uh, the Bucks are probably the best team entering that bubble insofar as no one's played for four months and we don't know what individuals have been doing in terms of working out and everything so you know you don't know for sure but like Giannis obviously a huge individual advantage and then I feel like they should win especially if the top three four teams in the West like beat up on each other but like you said, it'll be interesting because it's like such a shortened, weird dynamic that you don't like. Any some crazy crap could happen, you know?
1: Yeah, and it's actually it's it's interesting. Like for the Bucks, like um, it you know again, I'm I'm not at all and never was rooting for uh, a pause in the season, especially right. after, But Giannis was was injured. Um, they had lost like three or four games leading into the 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 pause in in action. And so like for the Bucks it might have been good for you know, Giannis has had four months or whatever to to heal up. And um, you know, granted everybody has, but when, you know, such a high uh, percentage of your team's success relies on on that one player, right. you like, are- yeah, a hundred percent. Because that has much a uh, bigger impact on your your outcome, you know, than you know maybe having someone like Brooke Lopez at now. Yeah, yeah, there's even part of the team, but you know, there's yeah.
0: even like a work uh, parallel there because my I have a friend of a friend that uh, works for uh, Edens, like the owner of the Bucks, uh, West. I think it's West Edens. He like a vent capital hedge fund, dude. And he basically just does like projects for Edens, but he does a lot of stuff with the bucks as a result. And um, I met this kid at a wedding and he told me that the thing, and you can kind of see this on like social media and in interviews, but he told me that um, Giannis is like a legitimately good caring person and like he realizes that he's a superstar talent but he doesn't like treat other people either teammates or staff in that way which you can run into in professional sports a lot um, so I always thought that was cool like I um, I like the books I've liked them for a while randomly but it's like when I heard that I was like oh that's cool because then at You know, we've talked about this over the time we've known each other or like in LinkedIn posts and stuff. But like a lot of times you do have top performers at work who are like assholes. You know, they're all the top performers that are great people. But it's just comforting to know that someone is like aware that they're otherworldly talent, but they're not a jerk about it. (laughs) You know, it feels like that's like a positive thing for humanity. No, I,
1: I mean, I. Totally agree, and it's, um, you know, and this this conversation, like, you know, we're not the first two to talk about this, but like you see it so often in organizations where it's like the results of the of just the individual person trump anything else that they're oh, doing. Oh yeah. In the organization, right? Like the toxicity and the, um, you know, the fact that they're bringing down ten of their their colleagues is is an afterthought because yeah this this sales guy brought in you know half a million dollars in in new business and that's that's very myopic very very short sighted right and you know the leaders of that person need to uh be looking at the bigger picture that's their job and apparently you know if, if they're if they're letting that continue then actually they're they're just as much if not more a part of the problem yeah hundred percent um
0: so I was going to ask you about work stuff with y'all. So what, um, so what, like did you guys shut down that Arlington office in like March or what was your policy kind of around all that? And then have you guys talked about, obviously you're in Wisconsin doing this. So have you talked about any like timetables for in person or are you doing any like hybrid stuff or like what's been the ecosystem around that for you guys
1: yeah for sure um yeah good questions like yeah we we shut down again it was actually it was funny i was in um <clears throat> i was in florida I, I decided at the beginning of march my wife and i had a trip planned down there and, and like things like were starting to get bad at that point you know um but we're like you know we just we we go down to florida every single year my parents have a place down there and and we decided to go and like literally the day that we got there on like a monday maybe that was like the ninth or something that's when like everybody decided to shut down and including brazen so um i was you know working from the the pool side of you know my parents communities pool for for a week and um flew back uh, there was no one on our flight um that's when it like became really real like when you're at I was at the airport I'm like you know march 18th or something crazy like that you know already like 10 days into this thing and uh it was eerie man like never been in an airport like that not even like you know you take those like i've t- you know taking those like 4:30 a.m flights out of vegas and uh you know there, there's more going on at that time than there was at like two in the afternoon on the- <laughs> yeah <sighs> um but yeah, we we went uh, 100% uh, work from home as as everybody did and um our plan going forward is like I mean so number one one of the coolest things I think that's come out of this for us is we actually weren't, and this may surprise you, but we weren't like, it's not that we were against remote workers. We, we did have like one or two. Uh-huh. Uh, we really, we hired everybody in the Arlington, Virginia area, the DC area, the DMV as, as right. you know. <laughs> and um, we've like 180 totally flipped on, on that. We've, we've had uh, just such, Uh, you know, we had to figure stuff out, as many organizations did, like how to continue to keep communication um, in relationship building with, with colleagues and, you know, projects moving forward, but we figured it out really fast. And uh, it's really exciting, because now I just hired someone, two people in the last couple months that are not in in DC, One in New York, one in Boston, we got someone in Colorado. So it's like, it's opened us up to the possibilities that are out there. And while we might have a hybrid approach, as you know, you kind of mentioned that, like to give people the option to go back in the office. Um and we've said we're not going to make a decision until September 1st. Uh, so we're not even saying, like, we've made a decision, but we're not even going to talk about what that decision is until September 1st until we hear more guidelines from state and federal and local, um, you know, institutions. And we're very, very uh, cognizant of, like, working parents and, like, you know, what they're going to do with their children for schools. So and we want to be very accommodating to that. But, but yeah, man, I mean, it's uh, – a It's exciting to kind of we're gonna be remote first. I would I would call us um, for the for well forever, and and may add in a a component of going back in the office. But like even that we have to figure out like, you know how many people and and, you know until there's a vaccine a vaccine like you know it'll probably be like you know 10% capacity and I don't know a lot to come but exciting thing remote only.
0: So tell me, like, first, I guess to start, you can define a little bit of what Brazen does. But I think you told me early on in the pandemic, there was like that 60 Minutes about that Philadelphia job fair. And I feel like you said that you guys' tech was like the back end of that or hosted it. So have you seen like a, has there been like a business growth? Cause you can do like virtual career fairs and events. Have you seen some of that too? So I guess start answering that by just like contextualizing what uh, your company does so that people are aware of that first. But then I just wanted to know if you've seen like growth and people needing that because of like homebound or whatever, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Um, So yeah, Brazen is a, uh, virtual hiring event platform, or some may call it a virtual career fair platform. Um, we certainly have, you know, uh, figured out a model to to replace uh, the in-person career fair. Um, you know, a lot of organizations... Um, you know universities especially will you know host uh, in-person career fairs or, or traditionally have and you know enterprise companies or companies in general would attend those career fairs in order to connect with with students um, but you know it Events and virtual events go beyond just the career fair. We work with um, companies who host their own hiring events and invite you know candidates, whether it's like nursing candidates or software engineers, to connect with their recruiting team in a virtual space. and by connecting, I mean through through conversations, text-based conversations, video chat, audio chat right uh, and so that's not, that's you know that's what that's what brazen's done for for many years. Um and uh you know I think that uh you know you're alluding to you know the fact that since we've all gone gone virtual yeah you know we we have seen a a pretty significant uptick
0: yeah in, that's what I would assume yeah
1: in in demand for 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 brazen I mean I think we we probably went from like a nice to have to a must have over <laughs> yeah but, you know yeah. what I mean, I mean yeah like, like, and then
0: you guys have a lot of or. You know, like you me this once. Don't you have a lot of like universities as clients, or at least a percentage of?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that that's how we got started in the Oh, summer. okay.
0: So but not know. as not necessarily like a huge amount necessarily anymore. But it's like more of the origin point
1: so it's, it was origin point and now it's it, it like ebbs and flows. It was the origin point And then we, as you know, focused a lot on, on talent acquisition and, and the recruiting space. Um, but we've were, we've reignited the, the university uh, space and, and we're seeing tons of, uh, you know, universities coming, coming back to us and, and us going to universities because um, they're in, you know, very uh, unique, positions too with fall near fairs. That's what I was going
0: to ask about because I assume like they I would assume that a lot of them would need some of what you guys can offer value wise in the fall because a lot of those traditional fall type milestone events are going to have to happen virtually. So yeah. that would logically, just logically felt like it would be a nice place for Brazen You know.
1: Yeah um, really. Exactly
0: right. Okay, so something I wanted to ask uh, personally, because I feel like I've been through this and it's different geographically. But um, so you moved um, from Wisconsin to D.C. at some point. I don't know if there was an intermediary stop, um, and you were probably already like you're probably already like over 25, over 30 when you yep. did it. Did you feel like um, did you feel like, first of all, I've I've never lived in Wisconsin. I've been there a bunch of times. I have lived in D.C., but I was younger. I would say there's a difference between those two areas, like a couple notable ones, maybe not massive. But first of all, would you say there was like you experienced a difference and then moving kind of like not being 20, 22 anymore? Did you feel like there was an initial like harder transition in terms of like adult friendships or did you like know people in DC already like what was that experience like
1: for you Yeah yeah for sure yeah i mean so i was uh you know i was in my my mid 30s uh when i made the uh move out to to DC and i'm uh i've been in you know i had been in Wisconsin and also Iowa that was the other Midwest state, um, you know, my entire life. So I was a Midwest boy, um, you know, lived in college towns that whole time, Madison, um, which I know you, you love. And then also, mm-hmm. I. um, yeah, is, is where I spent a lot of my time. So I was around, you know, young folks, uh, for, for most of my, my twenties and, and early thirties. So, so yeah, I mean, I remember I was, I was a little intimidated, you know, to, to move out to the East coast, um, you know, certainly visited DC more than a handful of times in my life. So, you know, I was familiar with it, uh, been in New York and Boston and, and, you know, certainly been out there, but like living out there was like, kind of a little bit of an intimidating thing for me, not going to lie. Um, at the same time I did have, so my wife was there and my wife and I were in different, um, states for two years. I was, oh, in, really? yeah, and she was in DC. So we were doing the long distance thing. Um, I guess kind of funny that I'm talking to you now and, and my wife and I are probably, yeah, not in the same state, <laughs> um, but just temporarily. Um, but yes, yeah, so, I mean I had a little bit of a, you know, a connection there. And then one of my good friends lived out in DC, but, uh, Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, like when I moved out there, um, it was uh, a little bit of a a shock. I mean, you know, you just don't do things like public transportation. um, You know, you don't realize how long it takes to get places. Um, And and yeah, I mean, other than the fact that my my wife had had built up a couple friends over the couple years that she was there. um, Yeah. Very few, very few people. Uh, and it is definitely more difficult to, you know, you're not going out to the bars, you you know, you're not, uh, you know, doing doing all that stuff you did in your 20s when right. when you're in your mid 30s, 30s, mid 30s. I was fortunate though too, like Brazen ended up. I've I've got a lot of like really, you know, I've got people from brazen who i uh have become really close with a uh, yep. really close to a group of folks there and and you know hanging out with them outside of work and, and their significant others like last year for example i i met up with one of my colleagues my wife and i were in spain and my colleague and her husband were in spain coincidentally oh, really? time in barcelona and we got together one night and just like went out went to dinner went out for drinks like you know um, but yeah, no, for sure. I think that they're like I keep saying they there It was it was a big big move. Now I would say DC, and not to get too deep into this, but I feel like DC was a better transition for little Joe the Midwest boy than like New York or Boston. Oh right,
0: I hear that. Yeah, for yeah. sure. And I feel like New York is this weird. It's a weird dynamic where there's like people from kind of, like, everywhere, which you get in D.C. too, but, like, yeah. um, there's also, like, I don't know, like, I think if I had gone back to, I like, I was gone for a while, and then I went back to New York at, like, 27, and I was there for a couple years, I think, like, if I had gone back at, like, 35, it would be much harder. Like, 27, I was still kind of in that zone where, like, um, going out, like, in a certain way or whatever is, like, quote-unquote, more acceptable or whatever. Um, and I, I still feel like you were... You had a zone where people were, like, pre-kids or, like, pre-family or whatever. If I went back after 35, I think it would be hard. DC, to me, is kind of like... Um, I think it's a little bit – I wouldn't say easier because it's still hard, but I do feel like there is a sports base there, which is cool. That helps with, like, some dynamic building. And then, like, you moving into a company that wasn't, like, a massive enterprise where you could, like, know people down the hall from you or whatever, that's always helpful, you know. Um, Because I I moved one time – when I was like probably 31 and I moved into like a 5,000 plus person company and it's like, okay, you basically have interaction with like two silos, but it's like hard. You can make relationships within the people that you interact with more consistently, but you're not going to like, your brain can't process knowing like 4,000 people, you know? So,
1: sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, thing. that's always
0: what, yeah, what we going to
1: say? I was just going to say that, you know, it's like they say that that's why, like, our hunter gatherer ancestors never had groups bigger than, like, 100, 150 because you couldn't, you know, they, you, our mind can't know more than that many people. And yep. so that, that was the max. So, yeah, 4,000 person, 5,000 person company, no way. Well, like, it's funny because um, Paul Graham, who's
0: like the founder of, like, uh, y startup or whatever that vc in san francisco who's i think he's like a low level billionaire now he wrote an essay in like 2009 saying that it's kind of two-faced because he's basically on the one hand saying like no company should be over like 500 people like that should be the max if you hit 500 employees you should break it out into like a subset company right but then at the same time like he encourages like companies that his vc backs to like scale and get like thousands of employees so it's a little bit two-faced right but um, but it's like i kind of agree with the base assumption because like i was even looking up like a year ago like nestle or whatever which people know from like candy bars or like cocoa or whatever, they have like 200,000 employees globally. And I'm sure some of those are like conveyor belt workers or frontline, like store workers. Right. But like 200,000 people to me is like, how do you manage any of that? Right. Like I know it's all siloed and whatever, but like, how do you like, I just have no idea how you even like conceptualize that, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. no i agree and it's just like the decisions you make like um you know you you, if you let's just say you're, you're talking about like hr and uh you know they're trying to make decisions about like benefits or pto or whatever it is like can you just imagine like how many people will be unhappy with the decisions you're making because you have so many people and there's no way you can like try to like, you know, there's just so many unique situations and, and uh, you're going to ostracize or alienate or, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. that, that just don't happen with, with smaller organizations where you can kind of collect the feedback of, of the group and make decisions that are more appropriate for, for your people. Cause you can't call your people, you know, 250,000.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah, And it's also like, I feel like when you get to that scale, obviously there's like business advantages or like cost advantages. And I would never say it. those are good things like at a business level, but it's like from a management standpoint, you almost have to make it where there's like one policy about XYZ thing that has to apply to like 200,000 people just because you can't tailor it and you're gonna like kind of alienate or leave so many people out of discussions by doing that but you almost like Mm -hmm. have to do it, which is why uh, I don't like, I don't love FTE jobs but if I ever did one again consistently, like I would hope it would be like, they like 50 to 100 people you know because i just feel like when you get above even like 150 200 it gets it starts getting where there's like no real personalization policy wise and then you know there's some manager somewhere that has like 15 direct reports and he or she's like barely talking to any of them right and you're like <laughs> like kind of what's the point at that level you know like Cool, you can go in and do good work, but it's almost like is a tree falling in a forest, yeah? Yeah,
1: you know, I I totally agree, man. I've always worked for companies um, under uh, you know 250 employees, really my whole career. I love it. I don't think I'll ever go, um, you know. Again, I can never say never, but it's unlikely that I'll ever work for a company that that is bigger than that.
0: Yeah. Uh, okay, so the last thing I wanted to ask you, and this is like. Uh, I don't. it's more like an on-the-spot question, so you don't have to have some amazing answer for it. I never did. But, <laughs> but like, okay, you can do it since you moved to D.C. or even like your 30s or whatever, but do you feel like there's kind of like life uh, mantras or kind of like things that you try to have guide you when you deal with like, Either people I have brazen or like personal relationships. Like, do you feel like there's kind of like overarching things that you feel like kind of like what I hate the term like core values in the business sense, but I think it applies in a personal sense. Do you feel like stuff you've learned along the way that maybe in your 20s you didn't think a certain way and then it shifted? Just like any guiding principles that you have. And again, you know, it's a, that's like a big life question. So you don't have to have some like Dalai Lama style answer. I always just think it's interesting what people say to that.
1: Yeah, no, I actually, I was worried when you, when you set up the question, but actually I do have something again, it's not profound, but like trend, an evolution that I went through from twenties to thirties for sure. Um, and and something that does guide me right now is like, you know, you grow up hearing about the golden rule. Yeah. Treat others as as you'd want to be treated. Um, I think that that rule is bullshit. Um, I subscribe too, it's not bullshit. It, but I think it, it misses it misses something. And so I heard this thing. Honestly, probably my early 20s. Someone put this on Facebook, and you know, I'm I'm gonna say here that my somehow my my philosophy towards towards life, yes, was influenced by something that someone posted on Facebook. But it's always stuck with me, which is the platinum rule, uh-huh. which is treat others as they want to be treated. Right? Like yeah, it, every everybody's different and I think that like maybe it's me as a marketer why this like really sticks so well because like I'm always trying to empathize and be compassionate with the people who I'm trying to to build relationships with and then ultimately sell to but like you can't ever build those relationships with those people unless you truly try to put yourself in their shoes and everybody's different. And so, like, you know, I try to approach my relationships at work, my relationships with my wife, my relationship with my wife, and I say my relationships with my wives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, really, truly trying to understand where they're coming from and, and listening. And, you know, the, the other, you know, idiom or cliche is, you know, God gave us two ears and, and one mouth. And so, you know, I, I think a part of that, platinum rule and trying to understand others is is doing two times as much listening as talking which I haven't done well today but uh but but anyways yeah I think that that that's like my big thing I think that that can take you I think that can take you really far in in life and in work um if if you have that at front and center
0: yeah I agree absolutely and then it's funny because the first thing I was ever at with you which is like a mini Conference that Brazen hosted probably like 2018. Yep. Uh, one thing that actually somebody somebody at that conference was talking about like employer branding, and I remember like uh Tin Cup said something like, and it goes to your point where he's like, okay, like people write articles about Amazon, and they're like, if you have a white collar job at Amazon, a lot of those people are putting in 80 hour weeks, like doing like data driven stuff, right? And Wall Street Journal, New York Times will write articles saying it's like a bruising culture, yeah. toxic culture. And like in some ways it probably is, right? But there are people for whom that really appeals to, whether it's like yeah. an age thing or just like being an Amazon employee at like a low six figure salary, whatever. Um, so that's it's like point. that's a thing. Yeah, we always say, like, we kind of, like, have a lot of these discussions, like, it's not even binary, but it's, like,
1: we have a lot of these
0: discussions where we're not, like, what you just said, we're not thinking about what the other person wants, right? So, obviously, Amazon is able to recruit people for both, like, low-end fulfillment center roles and high-end, like, data-driven marketing and, like, coding roles, right? So there are people that gravitate towards that for whatever reason, and then sometimes we'll paint a narrative of, like, oh, this place is toxic or whatever, but it's what's in it for the other people. So, like, if you approach any level of relationship as, like, not treat others like I want to be treated, but, like, treat others as how they want to be treated or what context they need to make a decision or move on with you or whatever is like, I agree with that hundred percent. I've never heard it called the platinum rule. That's cool. But, <laughs> but, but I agree with it hundred percent, man. Like I don't, I even with like sales stuff, like to go one tier beyond marketing, I feel like the best sales dudes that I've ever done stuff with like if I've been in marketing in a role, I feel like the best sales dudes always lead with like um, what's in it for the person they're talking to. And then I feel like the worst sales dudes like just like go into the same freaking pitch or approach with everybody. And it's like, they don't sell anything <laughs> right? or they get lucky like one out of 50 times. But yeah. the people that go in with like what's in it for the prospect of, at that stage or whatever you're calling it like they do the best i think it's applicable there too
1: yeah man i uh and i really i I think that your example about amazon like that's that's really um that's a really good example because i'll be like i'll be honest like you know i i can sometimes even generalize and it's easy for humans to, to to generalize because you know we don't have to like think it's tougher to it's harder to think about the complexities of something that it oh, is. Totally. take one concept and apply it to, to everything, you know, our, our minds are always trying to, you know, it's a minimization of, of energy and we're, we're always fighting that. Um, you know evolution is like you know said like let's like you know obviously let's let's try to save energy and conserve energy and and uh, you know thinking about more complex things uses more of those that neural network. but uh, you know you obviously have to push yourself but yeah that's a, that's a good point like you know I've, I've even fallen into that trap about generalizing about Amazon yet at the same time, I have friends who work there or who have worked there that love it yet yeah hundred percent yeah.
0: Right. It's the same with like financial services too. is like coming from New York or even like I don't know if you guys know people in like politics being in D.C. But it's like you look at some of that stuff from outside of it and I'm like, man, I would shoot myself if I worked in politics. I would shoot myself if I worked at Goldman Sachs. Right. But then I've met like 10 people from Goldman Sachs and they're like, I love it. man it's like the greatest job ever and you're like oh god so it's, it's just like what's in it for you not like there's not like a there's not a one-size-fits-all thing with employment for sure no
1: doubt no doubt. No. so platinum room man that's, that's that. <laughs>